Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome again. This is the Stories of Gumption podcast coming to you with another episode. Stories of Gumption, what are we talking about here? Well, we're having conversations with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and in my opinion, just really, really impressive people. Certainly uh, adding to the list of of impressive uh, guests today on this episode. But first, got to thank our sponsors. They're a key part to the growing success of this podcast. We keep growing steadily, organically. Couldn't do it without the sponsors. Thank you so much. Our first sponsor, right out of the gate, Adirondack Mindfulness from Dr. Sharon Thoreau. First and foremost, I want to tell you, she's bringing an MBSR course to our region. She's going to have it at Valcor Brewing Company on Saturdays for a couple hours, uh, starting in mid-November all the way up until the first weekend in January. MBSR, what does that stand for? Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. It's kind of the cream of the crop. This is this is the big time. This is a great opportunity to really improve your self-awareness, uh, your mindfulness uh, on a day-to-day basis. I am going to take the course, so how about that kind of plug? Uh, join me and consider attending and participating in this course, Adirondack Mindfulness, especially when it starts getting colder. There's a little bit less to do on the weekends in the North Country. This is a great opportunity. Uh, Check it out. You can learn more about the courses that are available, whether it be private sessions, the MBSR course coming to Valcor Brewing, or just other uh, great information that they have on the website, www.adirondackmindfulness, all one word, www.adirondackmindfulness.com. Check them out. Thank you, Dr. Sharon Thoreau, for the sponsorship of this podcast. Sponsor number two. They've been here for a little while. You've heard of them. Kavanaugh Realty. They are a local independent real estate company helping their neighbors buy and sell their homes. Doing a great job at that too. Uh, I've said it before. If you've heard uh, in any of the other podcasts, Galen Trombley, one of the leaders at that company, helped me and my wife buy our first home. We are totally blessed to have amazing brokers and real estate agents throughout this region. There's a ton of them. I'm friends with a ton of them. And it just, I can't thank Galen and Kavanaugh Realty for our personal experience with him just busting his behind to help us. Busting his ass to help us. Uh, I can't thank Galen Trombley enough for his effort when we were buying our home. We, we were first-time home buyers, had no idea what the process was going to be like or what to expect. Certainly would go into it a lot more educated now, but when you're a first-time home buyer, that's scary. Having somebody by your side is critical. Uh, Kavanaugh Realty did a great job for us. Hashtag local matters. Sponsor number three. They are the OG sponsor, Open Gate Farmstead. Live like someone left the gate open. It's a new tagline that they have at the top of their YouTube page. Check them out. They are on YouTube. They are on Facebook. They are on Instagram. Open Gate Farmstead. Man, if you're not checking out and subscribing to their YouTube page, you're missing out. Because whether you want to buy uh, food or produce products from them now or in the future, uh, that's one thing. But just support them by throwing a couple likes around on their YouTube page or their social media or subscribe and uh, they will they'll be so appreciative of that they they got a growing uh, following as they should they're doing a lot with the farm to table movement and we're super proud to have them in our region doing the work that they're doing to bring fresh food and produce to the area. So thank you, Open Gate Farmstead, for your support of the podcast and also for what you're doing. You guys are kicking butt. Thank you. Today, we are with a legend and a big mentor of mine, and I wouldn't be where I am without him. Uh, He may deny that, but it's Mr. John Bernardi, the CEO of the United Way of the Adirondack Region. We talk gumption, what it means to him, 
what it probably means to a lot of individuals across our region uh, going through their own challenges on a regular basis. A lot of the projects and initiatives that the United Way is taking uh, to help the citizens of our community. And we learn a little tidbit about John's background. It's a great episode, so enjoy. Here it is, 25 Stories of Gumption podcast. Gumption, defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, and shrewdness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Stories of Gumption with your host, Ryan Lee. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today's guest is Mr. John Bernardi, very good friend of mine. He's the CEO of the United Way of the Adirondack Region. He's a Rotarian. He's a family man, avid outdoorsman, loves skiing, fly fishing, boating, uh, does incredible work for this community. Welcome to the podcast, John Bernardi. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be with you today, and I appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I have to say, I've been looking forward to this one for a very long time. Wow, thank you. Because <laughs> I think, I mean, I was very—I was put in a very uh, unique position at a young age. Uh, I was not ready to be the district executive uh, of the Boy Scouts in our, our area, but it made me grow up real fast. And I would say a big piece of that was a lot of the uh, the mentors that I had along the way, and I can't look back on those days, uh, especially from a fundraising perspective, without thinking of all the stuff you and I did together. Well, you may have felt that you weren't prepared for that job, but it didn't show. And you did an outstanding job there. Um, You were always great to work with. You were able to garner respect and admiration from all of your associates in a very short period of time. So I was pleased to be a mentor if you consider me a mentor but at the same time I got a lot out of working with you because you were right on the money all the time <laughs> well I appreciate that I, uh, I I I think the biggest lesson that I gained and this is a great example of why you're a mentor still are I would say but um, we were struggling with one of our major fundraisers and uh, you agreed to be the MC. And we basically took the whole format, dumped it upside down out of the box and let everything fall out and then reassembled everything. And we irritated some people, so the powers that be. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't an easy transition, but we basically went from a model of you kind of got to pay to play. You got to be able to throw some bucks down to be able to participate in this fundraiser. And we made it so much more affordable and we doubled the attendance and we made the same amount, but it was that much more presence and then other things. It was just a great learning moment for me. It was, uh, I think, for all of us. And and that event continues to be really great. And you left that legacy. So uh, um, you did a lot of great things when you were in that position. But um, that's certainly one of the prime examples of what you left behind in your years of work there. And that event um, needed to be um, improved, and you were the driving force, and it continues to be a great event. And by the way, I still emcee that event. <laughs> you told me. Oh, yeah. You said, like, I will do this for one year. Yeah, Isn't right. that like the whole thing with the Boy and Scouts? Then, yeah, and then I, Jeff Chauvin comes along, and here that's another guy I really like yeah. and admire, so I, I don't want to say no to him. Yeah, I can't say no. It's interesting. Nobody says no to John, but now John <laughs> can't say no to the to the Boy Scouts. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but that's it seems fantastic. To be the case. You know, another thing that uh, I will always thank you for is getting me involved in Rotary. You were my sponsor. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people know that now, I don't think, because it's been a little while. I think it was like 2012, maybe when when I started. Right. But uh, yeah, you you got me involved in Rotary. Well, that was a great pleasure of mine too to sponsor you for Rotary, and you're a great Rotarian what you've done with the volunteer core of people to provide community service um, in organizing the Rotarians in such a way that they can 
really emphasize their service to the community, and you've been the driving force behind that. So, yeah, I'm proud to sponsor you in the club, but you've taken your your membership to a wonderful high level, and so you should be really proud of that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, I learn after the best, I suppose. Um, tell me and tell the listeners a little bit about where John Bernardi came from. Well, where, I, where, where'd you grow up? What'd you do for fun? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I grew up in the uh, in central New York, near Utica, New York, New Hartford, actually. My cousin um, grew up there. No kidding. <laughs> um, right in the middle of the state, just outside of Utica. And my family roots are in Utica. We have an Italian-American background. Utica at one time was um, a bastion of Italian-American. Still is, but um, a little less so than back in the heyday. But I grew up there, uh, and the Bernardi family was um, hailed from there. And again, my grandparents were Italian immigrants, and and I grew up with a, with a strong Italian-American heritage. Um, and I went to New Hartford High School, um, played hockey and skied a lot when I was a kid, uh, and always have had a great passion for the Adirondacks. Mm. Even uh, from the time I can remember, the earliest time I can remember, I just had this thing for the Adirondacks. And so I spent a lot of time in the in the old Forge Inlet area as a kid. Uh, but when it came to um, uh, choosing a college, Paul mm. Smith's College was mm. a clear choice for me, College of the Adirondacks. And I went there and I studied ecology and environmental technology at Paul Smith's with the hopes of becoming a forest ranger. That was my goal, um, and that was my vision for myself, um, and um, loved my time at Paul Smith's and did pursue for a short time becoming a forest ranger or working in the forestry industry, but kind of fell into the human service field um, sort of by accident after I graduated. Yeah. Paul Smith and I got into the helping profession um, and I was actually a, a shop teacher at, at 21 years old um, <laughs> no in, <way. laughs> a, in a school for um, uh, adolescents with emotional uh, issues and emotional uh, problems. Wow. And I had a, a knack for this human service work and a, and a passion for it and it, and it, um, just grew, and I um, relocated uh, permanently to the Adirondacks. Uh, was in Saranac Lake and Lake Placid for many years back in the uh, late '80s. On uh, worked for Camelot Boys Home in Lake Placid. Oh, uh, nice! Then later became the Head Start director in Essex County, and then later the CEO at Adirondack Community Action Programs, and then. Uh, ultimately landed here as uh, as the CEO, United Way of the Adirondack Region. That's a abbreviated yeah. run down my career path. But the point being the the human service field and the nonprofit management work uh, was something that I had not planned when I was a kid, but fell into it um, yeah. and really learned to love it and found it to be really rewarding and I just enjoy helping people and being part of uh, community uh, growth and um, well-being, and so it's it's been it's been a wonderful and interesting journey. Yeah, wow. So yeah, I think I think that's the beauty of uh, human service in general. It sounds like most people I've talked to fall into it, um, but then the passion for it is just. Uh, so great that they can't leave it and they're super excited about it. And arguably I even had that with the Boy Scouts, which is why I still volunteer today. Um, but tell me a little bit more about, uh, was there a moment where you knew this is the career that you, you are, you are, you're destined for, you had a, a experience in the job early on, or maybe when you're at ACAP at around a community action or maybe something here, the United Way. Well, I think, um, no, it was probably early on um, when I realized that I was good at this and I was um, able to connect with people on a level that was useful and 
meaningful and and so I don't think there was any actual moment. I think it was more of a gradual experience I had along the way where I realized connecting with people and working with people was something that um I was passionate about and um probably um decent at. Yeah. So uh I wouldn't say it was a particular moment it was more of a a growth on my part in in understanding that this work was really important. And I knew right away I was not going to get rich doing this yeah. this work. Um you know and we've all been there. Uh, and we've seen our friends do other things and people mm. we know do other things and make their riches doing other things. And I, you know, I knew all along that, that I wasn't going to become a millionaire, um, doing this kind of work. But what I learned along the way was there's a lot more to life than the size of your bank account. And when I see some of, some people I know who do have, um, accumulated wealth, what they missed out on along the way was some of the things that I appreciate and it's yeah. the quality of life yeah um, and you know the family life i i don't think i ever missed anything that my kids were doing when they grew up uh were growing up one of them still is senior in high school the other two are um uh grown but um you know i never missed anything family always yeah. came first and then everything else uh was also important but was second to the family obligations. And if you're in certain careers, you don't always have the ability to put your family first. Yeah. And so uh, what a blessing. I've been able to help a lot of people in my work and still do that and appreciate it every day. But at the same time, I've been able to maintain a quality of life uh, that um, is um, really important to me, in, in especially being a family man, which Hmm. I'm proud of. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, it is the Stories of Gumption podcast. So maybe I'll ask this question. What does gumption mean to John Bernardi? Well, I think gumption means um, a lot of things. But the thing that sticks out for me is the ability that people have to see their dreams or visions come to fruition, even though there are many obstacles and challenges along the way. And when I think of gumption, I don't think of necessarily my own gumption. Mm. I instead draw energy from seeing other people um, portray their gumption in such a way that's inspirational. For example, we, we've launched here at United Way a, a project called the ALICE Project. And ALICE is an acronym. It stands for Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed. It's what we used to call the working poor. Yeah. And what we've seen is, um, or what we know through our research is that um, better than half of the households in our region 54% of the households in our region live below what we call the Alice threshold, which is a financial threshold to be completely independent from assistance. Mm. So half the families in our region um, live below the Alice threshold, but they also live above the federal poverty limit, um, which is extremely low. Um I think it's uh, 26000 for a family of four is what the federal poverty mm. limit is. So um, that's extraordinarily low. No family of four can live independently no. on $26,000 no per way. year. It's impossible. So we have this tens of thousands of people in this group um, in our region that live between in the gap between the um, the federal poverty limit and the Alice threshold. Throughout Clinton, Franklin, Essex County? Correct. Um, and the gumption these folks have to endure and portray every day is significant. For example, you and I might take for granted 
a flat tire or a leaky roof or a broken furnace or needing brakes on our vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, these, For many people, these things are um, inconveniences and nuisances. If I had a flat tire today, it would be a nuisance. Um, but for me, it's not going to um, cause me to potentially lose my job. It's not going to cause me to uh, make a decision, to have to make a decision around um, putting food on the table mm. or getting my medication or fixing that tire. And what we've seen is for many, many families in our region, uh, they are right on the edge of that financial cliff every day. And something like a f- flat tire or a, or a leaky roof could create a um, chain reaction uh, that could um, um, create a situation where people have to make life-changing decisions. Yeah. And uh, I see the gumption that people portray on a daily basis. They're um, working two or three jobs to make ends meet um, and keep their families well. Um, and, uh, that's gumption. Yeah. The gumption I have to come up with on a daily basis, uh, is, um, pales in, in comparison to what some people are mm. facing. So yeah, do I have gumption? Yeah. And do I, do I, um, portray it sometimes? And yeah, absolutely. But, but again, it's, it's, um, it's the real problems that people are facing and being able to overcome that, to me, are great examples of, of gumption. It's, it's crazy how many people that affects. Makes me question, too. I mean, I, I don't have children, but uh, even just a young professional um, like myself at one time or just trying to get a start, um, maybe debt from student loans or something like that, and get your first job and I could I there was definitely a period of time in my life where if I got a flat tire I was in trouble it's like holy smokes like I grant granted I had the privilege of you know calling up mom and dad if if things got real bad not everybody has that even but um that certainly uh resonates with me that there's that many people um who fit into the Alice category what kind of things is the United Way doing to try and help with that? Well, um, many things. One of the things that is somewhat unique around the Alice Project is raising awareness among employers um, regarding the challenges that their employees are facing. And we're trying to change that paradigm, if you will. Um, in, uh, in the old model, in the old days, the Employees were expected to toe the line um, and be um, um, model employees all the time. And if you, if life got in their way, then they were discarded often. Mm. Um, and what what we're encouraging employers to do is see the world through a different lens um, and understand that. You have employees that you may be paying a decent wage to, and and decent wages, fifteen, seventeen, twenty dollars an hour. We we're lucky in this region. We have a fair amount of manufacturing jobs that do pay decent wages. Yeah, in that range um, that I just mentioned. But at the same time, um, people who are making again that decent money are still facing um, this financial cliff on a daily basis. So we're asking employers to be mindful of that, to be sensitive to that, and to see their employees in a holistic way and to um, uh, help establish a work environment that will allow people to overcome these obstacles. And we've had some great Mm. success in that area. And there are some companies, by the way, right here in our region that are models for this kind of thing. Um, I think of the Northeast group, mm-hmm. um, what Mike Carpenter's doing with his and Betsy, what they're doing uh, with their employees. And we hear from them on a regular basis because they have employees who are needing help and the company wants to help them uh, and um, uh, support them. 
uh, Moldrite Plastics doing mm. some, some great work um, regard, around Alice and understanding what their employees are, are facing. And it's just a couple examples. There's numerous other companies that have shifted their thinking and their management of their workforce to be more supportive and to be more sensitive of, the, of what people are facing. Um, it ultimately um, helps the individuals and the families that are employed by that company, but it also helps that company because it reduces turnover and creates um, very loyal and dedicated employees who yeah. feel supported by their employer. That's important. It, very important. So that's one thing. Um, we've launched a number of initiatives um, some child care initiatives because I was that's just going to say that's a huge issue. Child for care people. must be a huge piece of that. I hear about uh, e- even friends of mine who they're they're right in the mix of that. They're going, holy smokes! Right. The cost of the cost of child care for a month is the same or more, or maybe just a little less than what I'm making in my job. And exactly, and and it's very unfair um, for someone to have to actually think about putting their own career on hold just because they can't afford child care. Yeah, child care, affordable child care is an ongoing challenge for families. Um, uh, transportation is another major issue, and we've launched some initiatives there. Uh, Wheels to Work uh, is a pilot program we launched um about a year ago, where we're working to mobilize resources across the region to assist people with their transportation issues uh, regarding work. And we live in an automobile region. Yes. Um, we, we, it's a rural region we live in. Um, mass transit is not something that is realistic, and it's limited. Um, it's important. Uh, the, the public transportation we do have is important, but but it's somewhat limited and it doesn't meet the needs of, of our rural nature. So we mm. live in an automobile world here in the Adirondack region and people need cars to uh, to get around, um, busing and trains and other um, uh, vehicles and things of that nature. Are, they're good and they're important, but they don't they don't necessarily yeah. meet our need because of the rural nature. So the, the transportation issue is something we're working on as well. Um, what about housing? I'd be curious housing. if, it, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was just about to say I can see the light bulb housing. popping up. Yeah. Like, that affordable was the, housing. Those yeah. are the big three. Child care, transportation, affordable housing. Those mm. those are the big three that we hear um, the most about from people who are struggling. Um, and affordable housing is, is, again, one of those challenges uh, that is huge in in a rural region like ours. And there's some really good models um, that we've been a part of. Um, Plattsburgh Housing is a great organization. They do a great job, um, and they're able to provide housing for people um, uh, who might not be able to find it otherwise. Mark being, Hamilton's doing a great job. Yeah, he was on the yeah, podcast. That's right. He yeah, was. Mar- Mark's a great guy. Um, he's very bright, very um, forward-thinking. So that we've seen PHA do some unique things and they're working on some really interesting models mark's on our alice steering committee so we've been working together on um, a number of initiatives and he's got a few things that are really unique and creative that he's working on and others as well um bhsn is in the process of creating a an affordable housing um complex and already has one and or more than one and is working on another um, ETC Housing does a great job, um, mm. and they're mm-hmm. they're um, they're meeting an an important need that's out there. Uh, f- and then most recently is MHEB, uh, which is a program over at the um, old dormitories for Clinton Community College, and it's transitional housing for people who are struggling with mental health or substance abuse issues, uh, and that. That's a really important program because that transition between being homeless or really down and out yeah, and then getting back on your feet and having your own place, that transition between those two extremes 
is um, a very difficult challenge to navigate. So mm-hmm. NHAB helps with that temporary transitional housing. And and that, the examples I just gave you are the greater Plattsburgh area, but throughout the region there's, there's examples of housing agencies, um, Saranac Lake and Malone and mm-hmm. Tupper Lake, to name mm-hmm. a few, yep. um, that um, are doing similar work um, and providing that. But the need is still greater than than the um, resources we have, and what people are finding is that affordable housing is um, very difficult to get in our region. Mm. You know, a, a couple things are popping through my head here, but um, uh, one that we haven't really talked about, but I would assume is part of this in some way. Um, thinking of Hannah Provost. She was also, she's been a campaign chair for United Way. Phenomenal person. Talk about another just excellent mentor of mine, a peer mentor. Um, but she talked a lot on her episode of the podcast about foster care. Mm-hmm. I, I would assume uh, that is intertwined into this big time. Oh, it is. Um, we, we, we have launched an initiative a couple of years now. We've been doing this. Uh, to, to raise awareness across the region for the urgent need for foster care. It's largely been exacerbated by the heroin and opioid epidemic that mm-hmm. we have in this region, but it's not um, solely due to that, but it's been exacerbated by that. And we've seen um, uh, foster care, uh, the need for foster care increase um, by over 100% in certain areas like Franklin County, for example, where um, the, uh, here's an interesting tidbit of information for you. The number of children in foster care in Franklin County, New York, which by the way, is a population of 50,000 people, Franklin Mm -hmm. County, um, the number of children they have in foster care is equal to the number of children in foster care in Suffolk County, New York. The population in Suffolk County, New York is 1.2 million. So you think about that county with 1.2 million having a certain number of children in foster care, equivalent to the number of children in Franklin County needing foster care with a population of 50,000. Wow. So that puts it into perspective. Um, And what we found was that they're the resources we have for foster care are not adequate to meet the need. So the counties, departments of social services, which, by the way, we're blessed with having three great departments, Clinton, Essex, mm-hmm. and Franklin, outstanding yeah. compared to some other counties in the state. Um, their, their resources for placing children who need foster care are inadequate. We don't have enough foster homes in in the region. So what they're having to do is often send children out of the region for foster care. That comes at a great cost on many levels, not only the financial cost and the burden to the counties and the taxpayers, but more importantly, the emotional cost that that has um, on children and families having to leave their schools, having to leave their communities, their friends, uh, to to be placed in foster care in some faraway place. Uh, and so we've been helping the counties raise this awareness in the hopes that we're able to recruit additional foster homes in the region. And we've made some progress there, but um, it's an ongoing ongoing need. Another thing related to that, which is pretty interesting, is we've launched a pilot program with Spark, mm. Echo, which is the Essex County Heroin and Opioid Task Force, and the Franklin County Prevention Task Force. We've launched, our United Way has launched a pilot program along with the county departments of social services to um, engage the recovery community. So the thought there is if, if people are in recovery and having some success with sobriety mm-hmm. and wellness, mm-hmm. And they've um, experienced that success. And along the way, somebody was taking care of their children. 
while they got better. Mm-hmm. Um, the thought behind this is now that uh, these folks have had that success and are on their feet and doing better, they might be compelled to help people who are just starting that journey of recovery. And it might include taking care of their kids while they're getting treatment and getting well. Mm. So we've begun to recruit uh, foster parents or respite uh, workers as well. You don't Mm -hmm. have to do foster care full-blown. Sometimes they need respite. Mm -hmm. So it's people who are willing to take care of other people's children on a short-term basis. A weekend or... Weekend or even a day sometimes for respite. Um, and we've, we're, um, we're compelling the recovery community to answer the call. So again, if you, you've had success and you got help when you needed it, other people are just starting that process and would you be willing to step up and help them? And what we've seen is people do that. You know, one of the greatest assets, Ryan, we have in this region, um, it's not necessarily the natural beauty, although that's wonderful. Yeah. It certainly yeah. isn't because our streets are paved in, in gold because they're not. Um, and, it's, and it's not because there's a Cadillac or a Lincoln in every um, driveway or mansions on every corner. Those things are nice. You don't measure the greatness of a region by those things. They're nice. What, the way you measure the greatness of a region is by the... Um, uh, quality of the people who live here and their willing to their willingness to be empathetic and altruistic and what we're blessed with in this region is an incredible amount of empathy and altruism and people genuinely care about their neighbors and about the well-being of the region so we see people stepping up time and time again whether it's foster care Mm. Whether it's fundraising, whether it's volunteering, uh, we're always impressed and um, inspired by the level of um, empathy and compassion and altruism that people in the Adirondack region display on a daily basis. And our United Way is a vehicle for that energy, and it's just a great privilege and a great honor to be part of that. And that's yeah. what keeps me inspired every day. That's incredible. Yeah. I, um, I, I've personally experienced everything you just spoke about. I mean, from, from the altruism to the, to the philanthropy to, it's just like, it's so interesting, um, seeing different business communities just from a business support of the community perspective this community is so philanthropic. It's unreal. You go to others and, and that stuff exists, but it's like we're at that perfect size where we're big enough that you don't know everybody, but uh, the connections are just powerful enough where everybody wants to help each other. And um, I, I think I think that's the sweet juice, you know. That's the sweet, sweet stuff about this area for sure. Absolutely. That's what makes the Adirondack region, I think, so special. It's the... It's the quality of the people, um, and um, what a what a great privilege that is. Um, not every region enjoys that that um, asset the way we do. I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I'm curious if there's any sort of metric or measure that you can tell from your experience here in the United Way of like progress towards. Maybe there is no end solution where all these problems go away but um in terms of like progress made or expected uh, uh maybe a finish line of like we've actually hit a a, a goal uh, of a certain number of children in foster care or certain number of families on alice or in the alice category any any kind of metric you can share there or well um there's numerous examples of um metrics that have been accomplished and numbers that have been hit and goals that have been met, whether it's fundraising or, um, uh, or, um, something of that nature. But I think that what's more important and what sticks out in my mind in terms of a measurement is our ability 
in this region to come together and form partnerships and collaborations to address issues mm. that are important to people. And there's just so numerous, numerous examples of that. And I think that's the measurement. You look at what Spark is doing, Substance Abuse Prevention and Recovery Coalition of Clinton County. You see that what that group has done in terms of um, addressing the heroin and opioid epidemic. And, you know, the list of accomplishments is many from community events, numerous community events, to um, bringing programs to the Clinton County Jail for treatment, as another example. Um, and um, having uh, a Live Well, Be Well event just this past weekend at Macomb Park, mm. attended by over 400 people from wow. throughout the region. That's great. Um, to celebrate sobriety and to uh, reduce stigma so that people who do need help are comfortable asking mm -hmm. for it instead of feeling stigmatized or embarrassed about it. You know, examples like that. Um, and, and that's just one example. Um, Echo in Essex County, they're doing similar things in the Franklin County Task Force. So you think of examples like that, um, and there are numerous um, opportunities in, mm. in this region to, to highlight those kinds of collaborations and, and partnerships. And so I, I measure it that way. Yeah, I measure our greatness by our ability to come together to address problems that are facing our region um and um that's the metric i think yeah. that you can't always uh put a tangible number on mm. but you can experience it and observe it uh and sometimes the intangible metrics the intangible measurements are the ones that really make a difference qualitative versus quantitative exactly yeah no I, I totally feel you there. Um, it, you must have so many stories, life-changing stories, if you've helped people. and uh, Is there any one particular story, without outing the person or, or sharing too much detail, but is there any uh, particular stories that just resonate with you or that you'll never forget because of what, the impact it had on, on your life of being part of that? That person's journey. Or well, that I've experience. been I've been blessed with so many of those because of my work, and again, that's part of the reason it's so rewarding and so enjoyable. Um, because every day there's examples of people um, being supported by this region, um, and I like to think of it as a, a hand up instead of a handout, um, and giving people that support that they need to be able to stand on their own feet again mm. and to overcome some challenge or, or obstacles. So there's numerous um, examples of that. Recently, there was a, a little old lady from Essex County who um, was um, facing a life-changing dilemma and it was uh, around a prescription cost. Um, she, mm. she was needing medication, important medication, and sh she found that the prescription that needed to be filled was going to be right around $750. Unreal. In order for her wow. to get this medication. Um, and she was facing a dilemma because she was going to need to use potentially her rent money or her food money or other vital funds for everyday life to get the medication or go without the medication because she didn't have the money because it was needed for food and housing and, and other things. Well, luckily, she, she got in touch with the Essex County Office for the Aging uh, and asked them if, she, uh, if they could help her in some way, and they they did help her, and they also contacted us um, and to see if we could intervene. We were able to, long story short, we, we were able to link this woman up with our prescription discount program, which we coordinate, um, and she used the program to leverage a discount for herself, and the, the prescription um, went from $750 to about Seventy-five dollars, 
and um, that's an extreme case, but it does happen. And so now she was having to make a decision that wasn't life-changing, and she could find a way to make all of these pieces work together. Um, so the 750 became 75, and she didn't have to use any rent money or food money to get her medication. That's um, awesome. I love that one. I mean, it's just yeah, it's a tangible. It's real life. Resonates one. with a lot of yep. people, I'm sure too. Yeah. Wow. I, well, this is the problem with talking with you, John. I think I could spend an entire day just sitting here talking to you, but we don't have that much time. So, uh, what I'm going to do real quick then, because we're running low on time, is uh, pivot a bit to uh, my. Uh, ever famous or, or self-proclaimed famous uh, rapid fire section of, of the podcast. This is just a fun uh, way for uh, you to share a little bit more about you personally with, with all the listeners. So are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. Okay. Question number one, what's a book that you would gift to a colleague and why would you gift it? You know what? Um, a short story comes to mind um, instead mm. of a book. It's called The Road to Tinkham Town, hmm. and it's written by Corey Ford, who was an interesting guy. Um, he was a professor at Dartmouth and and an author. Um, and that that story you got to read it sometime. What's it's it called again? The Road to Tinkham Town, and it's an amazing short story. Um, and it's incredibly moving. And you'll be sobbing by the time you wow. get done reading it. But it it's um, really inspirational. And I'd love everybody I know to read that story because it, mm. it's quite a story. So check that one out. All right. I love it. Number two, what is the greatest investment that you have ever made? Whether it be time, money, uh, effort. What's the greatest investment you've ever made? The greatest investment I ever made is as as a parent and parenting is no easy task it's the hardest job anyone will ever have mm. but i'm very proud um that my wife and i have put family values first and we've invested a tremendous amount of time and energy into that and i see and we see our children now um three boys two of them are in their 20s and one of them is a senior in high school, really um, understanding the importance of family values and um, the importance of family and faith. Mm. We invested a lot of time and effort into into that um, our whole life. So clearly, that that's my most um, proud investment is the time I put into my family and the love and. Um, uh, um, value I put on the importance of that. So there's nothing more important in terms of no. what I've ever invested in. No, that's, that's awesome. Awesome answer. Number three, John, you get one more meal. That's it. Sorry. It's a little morbid, but Hey, what would your last meal be? Your absolute favorite meal? What is it? <laughs> well, in our family, Sundays are a big day. That's our Italian meal day. Um, I usually cook certain things and my wife cook certain things and we have this tradition of eating um macaroni and meatballs and Love it. greens and other um italian bread homemade um and a number of things so it's a big deal in my house to have sunday dinner with with the family and so if i had to have one last meal clearly that would be the one yeah. that i would choose Love it with my family around the table love it love it number four You've been given the gift of being able to put up a billboard anywhere you want. You just got to pick what you want to put on it. If you could put anything on a billboard out there in the world, what would you put on that billboard? I would put a very simple statement on that billboard that I think we can all live by. And I, I, I would um, suggest that everybody in the whole world, give this some thought. And I would put up there a simple saying that says, all you can take with you is that which you have given away. Mm. All that you can take with you is that which you have given away. And that's yep. what I would put up there for the world to see. It's uh, 
it's a good statement. I've heard you say that a few times before. It's very reflective and mm-hmm. uh, it almost makes you wonder if everybody thought that way, we'd probably have way less problems, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, number five. Here's a good one. If you could go back in time and give your 18-year-old self some advice, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? I would advise myself to look beyond myself. I think young young people and older people too, for that matter, sometimes we look through this, this um, self-imposed and selfish self um selfish yeah lens um we view the world that way um and i think if i could go back and advise myself it would be to think of other people um um and see the world through their lens when appropriate and not to be so self-centered it took me a while to learn that skill and to understand what other people are facing and not be so self-absorbed. Mm. Uh, but that's hard for a young person to understand. It's Sometimes it's, it comes with experience and with age, um, and you become more um, aware of the world around you and less self-absorbed. So when I look back, there's probably a few things that I would have done differently um, had I understood the importance of putting other people before myself Mm. amen question number six my favorite question so i just got the look i got the anybody who knows john they got the you know that famous look (laughs) uh question number six if we could assemble a personal board of directors for you, John Bernardi, to guide and mentor you through the rest of your life. They can be alive, deceased, famous, or not, but you get to pick the three people to be on your personal board of directors. Uh, who would they be and why? Well, that's a tough one um, because so many people have touched my life in so many meaningful ways, but um, one's obvious to me, and it, I don't even have to think about it, and that would be my father who died when I was young. I was 13. He was 47. Um, mm. and he was quite a guy. Um, and I, I'd like to think that I'm like him in some ways, but um, I would give anything for 15 minutes with him uh, to, to get his advice and to, to um, share my thoughts with him and to hear his thoughts. So he, he'd be the chairman of the board. Yeah, um, there you if, go. If he were... If he were here, um, and he is, um, he's with me every day, and I, um, and I, again, I think I um, carry him with me, and I, I would like to think I'm a lot like him. Um, the other two would be um, very hard to to assemble um, because there's been so many people in my life that that um, could could sit on that board, um, and I, th- I think about. Um, so many teachers and professors and friends and family members that have influenced me. What's what's important there, I think, for all of us is to reflect on these mentors that we've had over the years and the people that have shaped our mm. lives. And, and sometimes we don't necessarily realize that it. it's not obvious. And then all mm. of a sudden you think about, wow, that person was a huge influence on me. And you know, the... the th- the thing that's important there is oftentimes we forget what people said and we forget what they did and we forget what they looked like and what they were wearing. Those things are easily forgettable, but you never forget the way someone makes you feel. You Mm. never forget it. Mm. So those people that have made you feel good or made you feel inspired are the ones you remember. Um, and, and, and that's the thing you never forget. So not only is that important for you when you think about who these people are that you'd like to have around this board table, but it's also important to think about how you impact other people and mm-hmm. how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to remember what you wore last week. They're not going to remember what kind of car you drove 
or mm-hmm. what even what you said, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. And so I would surround myself with those people who understood how important it was to um, to make other people feel good about themselves and good about their place in this world. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's excellent. I mean, you also, I have to say, have one of the largest board rooms here at the United Way <laughs> in our area. So we do. I suppose you, you could probably fit them all at that table oh, and I'll I give you a few f- extra slots. I, I, I could <laughs> fill it up for sure. Uh, the other thing that popped into my head as you were saying that was uh, one of the very first people I had on this podcast, he was number two, was Steve Frederick. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he told a story about a teacher who basically like he, he told him he, he wasn't going to be successful laughed at him kind of uh and realized years later after he was successful that um it's because that teacher like strategically changed his mindset that that it made him feel different about his his own personal success that uh changed his life so um it's interesting how we all have people like that we don't realize at the time but yeah absolutely it's um and and you know that's the real Meaning of life, and, and um, and again, and I I know I keep repeating this these values, but they're so important to me that you measure the the wealth of your life not by the size of your bank account or the car you drive or the house you live in. Those things are nice, but what matters in the end is the relationships that you've experienced throughout your life. Mm. Those are the things that are most important um, and we have to remember that because you, you can't let an opportunity go by um, because you may never get it back and when you're when you're lying on that deathbed and you're in the last few minutes of your life those things that are going to be most important to you are the relationship you've had and the experiences you've had with people. Mm-hmm. And those are what's going to matter to you in the end. And if we can remember that while we're living, we're going to be way better off. There's a, there's a guy, uh, that's, uh, we should almost just end it on that, but I, I feel like I want to just share with you and I may cut this out, but, <laughs> uh, there's a guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, who says uh, there's too many people in this world who are uh, living their life as if to someday cross this finish line that they're aspiring to. And he's like, you're doing it wrong because if if all you're worried about is this someday like life that you're hoping to achieve or, or finish line, he's like, you're, you're doing it wrong. You got to find within whatever means you have the way so you enjoy the process, you enjoy the people you're around, you, you enjoy uh, the day-to-day process. There's no doubt, um, and I, I'm blessed because I do have the ability to enjoy every day and to appreciate the life I have. I know people who are chasing something. They've been chasing it forever. They never find it. They never will find it. Um, and they're uh, malcontents on some level because they, they're not able to appreciate the moment or the life they have. They're always thinking about this imaginary finish line that they're going to cross someday. Mm. And what you find in life is there's no finish line. There's no, um, there's no real finish line. There's not even an imaginary finish line. Life is about what's happening right then and there in your everyday life and having the ability to make the most of it, appreciate it, and most importantly, love the people around you and love your family and your friends and people in your community and to appreciate the value that that brings to 
all of us. And that really is what life's about. Mm. Well, John, this has been phenomenal. Like I said, I wish we could talk for eight more hours, but we will, but just not on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Last sending message, I'd like to give everybody who's listening an opportunity to find out the best way to get involved with the United Way, uh, anything you'd like to plug, contact information, maybe the 211 kind of a sending uh, message for the United Way as an organization. Absolutely. At, At our organization, United Way of the Adirondack Region, we uh, consider ourselves an important and accessible resource to people in our region. We want people to call us. We want people to call upon us. Uh, there's numerous opportunities to get involved, whether it be volunteering or raising money or getting involved in, in initiatives um, that are important to us. So you can call our office at 518-563-0028. And any number um, of people here on our great team will be happy to help you. You can visit our website at unitedwayadk.org or um, stop in to our office at 45 Tom Miller Road in Plattsburgh. We're always, we're in the people business and we're always looking for the opportunity to do business with people. Fantastic. Thanks, John. This has been awesome. It's been my pleasure, Ryan. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, so this is another episode of Stories of Gumption. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Interested in sponsoring this podcast? Uh, Just shoot us a note at storiesofgumptionpodcast at gmail.com. Another episode coming right at you. Thank you so much. Take care.